Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey guys, I'm Jim Richards, and if you've never been here with us before, hang on to your hat because I got news for you. I got a great message for you today. Something's going to be encouraging. It's going to be strengthening. It's going to be equipping. You know, last week we talked about equipping, and and the one of the things that seems to be missing from so much of, of Christianity today is is there is no concept of actually equipping people. There's there's tra- certain types of training that's been done. But let me well, let me just say this. There's a lot of great churches that do equip people. But we discovered last week there's two aspects of equipping people. The first is to make people whole. And we know that it happens through the love of God. So as people become whole, then the natural expression of that is to serve, to help other people, to walk in love, to be kinder, to have the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. You know, here's something I discovered years ago is that most mean people are mean because they've been hurt, because they have been treated mean by other people. You know, uh, my stepfather, and many people have heard me talk about my stepfather, and, you know, he was, he was a violent man. His, his entire sense of self-worth was built around, around violence. And, uh, you know, we worked together in construction work. And, man, I'm telling you what, when he would go someplace, uh, uh, you know, to some, some town, we would travel somewhere and we'd go build a water tank or whatever it was that we were building. Usually within the first few weeks of him being there, wherever the, wherever the bar was that all the guys from work hung out at, at some point in time, he was going to be in that bar challenging everybody there. And man, he beat the daylights out of guys that were twice his size and, and you know, bulked up muscle guys because all these guys, they did construction work. They were, they were tough guys. But that was hit, that and welding, and he was an incredible welder. That was his sense of self-worth. And so, you know, as a, when I was a kid, I just could not understand his violent tendencies. Now, I had grown up around violence uh, because my, my father was was violent with my mother's he wasn't violent with us as children very much i mean he did some violent things towards us but really most of his violence was all focused toward my mother so i was i was accustomed to violence but i'm telling you i wasn't accustomed to the level of violence that my stepfather brought it and so so you know i, I just didn't understand and uh, you know all i knew is he hated me i hated him he, one day he was going to kill me or I was going to kill him. And I carried a little derringer in my back pocket. Uh, and I kept a sawed-off shotgun under the seat of my car. I carried a baseball bat. You know, uh, I carried weapons with me always. Knives, guns, baseball. And the primary reason for carrying these weapons was not to protect myself. The primary reason was I intended to kill him the first opportunity I got. The first time I could do it in self-defense, the first time I could ever do it and get by with it, I was going to kill him. And some of you who have followed this for a long time, you've heard me talk about how when I was about, uh, I think I was about uh, 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 maybe 18 years old, he tried to kill me. And and, uh, you know, it was kind of a bad deal. You know, I ended up in the hospital, got stabbed, got cut up, and him and another guy planned to kill me and tried to kill me. 
And, and, you know, so I was angry and, you know, all the things that come with that kind of lifestyle. But just really interesting, after I gave my heart to the Lord and began to, you know, reach out to him, to minister to him, and even to my father, my, my birth father, to reach out and minister to him. One of the things I discovered about my stepfather was that when he was a young boy, his father tried to kill him with an axe. And so, you know, those acts of violence, they, the, the destruction that they create in your life, you pass that on to other people and you start hurting other people. So, uh, so most of us are not whole when we come to Jesus. Now, we might think we are. You know, a lot of people that think because they make money and because, you know, they haven't, you know, their, their family's still intact and all the, they kind of think, well, hey, I, you know, I don't have any real problems. Well, you, you, you do. You, you, just, you just don't realize it. And so everything with God starts with getting whole. Now, I'll tell you this. This is so interesting. Over the years, even before I got saved, I, I started looking at a lot of this, but particularly after I got saved, I started realizing that so many people who succeeded at business, who succeeded at ministry, uh, now, you know, these were people that sometimes couldn't succeed in relationships. They couldn't succeed at normal life. But I tell you, some of the, some of the greatest ministries as far as reaching the world I've, I've ever known, they were not being driven by love. They were being driven by need. They were being driven by a fear of failure. And this is why so many of these ministries ended up corrupt, ended up with immorality, because, because ministry was a place that was meeting their self-worth need, their need for success, their need for feeling good about themselves. It wasn't, I'm not saying they didn't want to help people, but I'm just telling you, I, I, you know, I traveled the world over, did meetings with the biggest names in ministry back in the, in the 80s and 90s and uh, even in the early 2000s. And uh, man, I'm telling you, you talk about a bunch of needy people. I've never seen people as needy as some of the biggest, quote, quote, successful names in ministry. Now, the sad thing is they wanted to do good. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about this in the book of Romans. He says, so many times when I want to do the right thing, there's something that's just not right in me. There's something in me. I, you know, there's sin, there's corruption, there's wrong motives that are present, even when I want to do the right thing. And that, and you know, he was talking about the person who launches out who has not been made whole. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. And, you know, our school of ministry, this is the way we worked. Our, our whole ministry, this is the way we work. Uh, you know, we don't believe that you are ready to launch into ministry until you have your self-worth established in the love of God. And I'm not talking about the mushy love of God that says sin is okay, everything's all right. I'm talking about the love of God where you feel valued. And because you feel valued, you express value for other people. You treat other people right. So, so remember that being equipped always starts with being whole. And if it starts with what you do, uh, you're probably going to end up in trouble because you you can use what you do as a faulty replacement for self-worth, as a faulty replacement for being made whole. So first you are made whole, and then when you are made whole, then you are able to serve other people. You're able to do the work of the ministry, and that word ministry means serve. You're able to become a servant. You're able, you know, it doesn't hurt your self-worth to lower yourself, to, to, to serve other people, to bring benefit to other people. So. 
So, uh, but this week, you know, we're kind of shifting over to, okay, uh, how does the power of God work in me? So if, if I'm going to be a servant and I, I'm being made whole, I'm really seeking God, but how is the power of God going to work in me? Well, you know, when I was a new believer, you know, and golly, the world was, was religious crazy. You know, I, I got saved right at the end, kind of the tail end of the Jesus movement. Man, I'm telling you, all of us hippies that, uh, that didn't like the corruption of government, that didn't like the corruption of big business, and did not like the corruption of religion, you know, we, we really brought about a movement of God that is still going in the world to this day. But the problem is, by the way, every time a great movement starts, corrupt people take it over and turn it into a way for success and fame and fortune and and da 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 Anything that stays in this earth long enough will get corrupted, no matter how wonderful and pure the motives of the people who were that started it. But, you know, early charismatics, man, we just discovered about the power of the Holy Spirit. We discovered that, that, uh, that we could do what Jesus did because of the Holy Spirit working in us. You know, the Bible says in Acts, what is it? I think it's Acts 10, 38 or somewhere in there. It talks about how that Jesus was a man filled with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and, and setting free all who, you know, were, were being oppressed by the devil. And so, you know, we very early back in those days came to realize that that power to minister to other people wasn't about us. It was about us emptying ourselves and yielding to the Spirit of God. So we used to run around quoting scriptures like, I'm strong in the Lord and, and I'm in the power of His might. Well, you know, there's a lot of identity, what we call identity scriptures. This is what you have been given through Christ Jesus. But you know, there's a big difference in that which has been given and that which you have received and that which you have experienced. And so, you know, we were taught to confess the word. And, and most of what we were taught about confession was kind of on and kind of off, kind of twisted, kind of crooked, kind of good, kind of bad, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we were all running around saying, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, you know, it was amazing how many people were confessing the right scriptures and they were, they were hungry for the power of God, not from a self-centered point of view, but to help other people, to bring benefit to other people. And by the way, that's what's supposed to happen. Heaven on earth, living the kingdom life, is supposed to be about us enjoying a quality of life, us enjoying the power, the presence, the protection, the wisdom, the leadership of God in such a way that we have peace in our hearts and, and, and other people come to us and want what we have. I'm, I'm telling you, the easiest ministry in the world is when people say, I want what you've got. And so, so you know, we were all hungry for the power of God. Now, sadly, like I said, any truth that comes into the world that stays long enough is always going to end up corrupt. It's always going to end up twisted. And before long, power became more about about your ministry and you looking good and you showing people that you are anointed and all of this kind of stuff. But the real truth is the power of God has two very distinct purposes. And number one, it's the power that works in us to transform us, to bring us into a godly quality of life, to, to empower us so that we can overcome sin, so that we can have character in our life. But then there's a power that works through us to touch the people around us and help them and get them healed and get them delivered. 
And, and, you know, I have seen every miracle in the New Testament. Many of them I've seen dozens of times. Many of them I've seen hundreds of times doing crusades all over the world, doing ministry all over the world. And, man, I, I know what it looks like for the power of God to work through you. And you know that you're weak. You know, I read these scriptures where Paul's greatest secret was he knew that he was weak. And he knew that if, that if he could own his weakness and instead of trying to be the man and you know, all that kind of stuff. He knew that if he could empty himself and own his weakness, that he became a vessel that the power of God could flow through. And, and that kind of vessel, God gets all of the credit. We don't get the credit. Our ministry doesn't get the credit. Da, 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 da. God gets all the credit. So, you know, I started looking at this thing. And remember, we are still, I'm still talking to you about how to live in heaven on earth and how to live in heaven on earth. It's where you come out of the world and you start going through this process and you're making, you're making this journey from coming out of the world to getting born again, to developing your heart, to developing your faith, and ultimately arriving in Canaan. And Canaan was a type of the kingdom of heaven. It was a type of heaven here on earth. And so we are making that journey, and, and, and along the way, on that journey, which doesn't take forever, it's not, we're not talking about 20 or 30 or 40 years, it should have taken the children of Israel 11 days to make it from Mount Sinai to uh, Canaan, and really God taught them all of the lessons they really needed all the core lessons that they needed to actually be strong in the faith, to actually be strong in the Lord. And in 11 days, you know, they were at a place where they should have been able to take Canaan. They should have been able to overthrow the giants. They should have been able to, to drive the wicked people out of Canaan and take over that land and influence the whole world from this nation uh, this new nation that was raised up by God himself. But they did not do that. They didn't learn their lessons. They didn't, they didn't want to develop themselves. They just wanted God to give them everything. Well, well here's, here, here is the paradox. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word knowledge means the experience. So it's already been given, but there has to be the experience. We have to experience. Well, here is the incredible thing. Moses, Jesus, Joshua, you, know, you just go down the list, the Apostle Paul. All of these people taught us how to develop our faith, taught us how to become strong in God so that we would not fail and falter and, and be crushed under temptation and sin and destruction. In this very scripture in the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, where it talks about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Sadly, I don't know how it is out there in the religious world now, but back in the 70s, the early, late 60s, early 70s, people took all of these scriptures like this and twisted them into fighting the devil. Now, there is such a thing as spiritual warfare, but spiritual warfare has nothing to do with fighting the devil. Spiritual warfare has to do with dealing with your thoughts, with your beliefs, with your emotions and yielding to the righteousness of God and experiencing the power to be righteous, to live righteous, to, you know, to absolutely live in victory. So whenever you go through Ephesians 6, uh, uh, 10, you, you know, and down in verse 13 tells you, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, 
And after you've done all to stand, do this. Now, what's interesting, put it on the armor of God. Every one of these are actually character traits. Every one of these are ways that we develop ourselves internally by the beliefs of our heart that equip us and that really become a way of actually becoming strong in the Lord. See, that was the thing. We heard people talk about being strong in the Lord and power of his mind. But the problem is nobody ever actually showed you how to do that. Uh, you know, there were some things that we were taught, but very rarely were we taught what to do. Well, so Paul talks about this here, and we're not going to spend much time on this, but he says, you know, here's where you start out standing because you have girded up your waist with truth. Now, so, so it starts out uh, that girding up my waist, uh, and that which causes me to be able to reproduce, by the way, is truth. But also, I need to guard my heart by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. But also, I, I am only stable to the degree that I believe the gospel of peace because the gospel of peace is based on the covenant of peace, which means I never have to fear that God's going to hurt me. I never have to fear that God's causing problems in my life. God does not use suffering and pain to teach me anything. He uses, uses his word and he uses the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and take up this shield of faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is, faith is where you trust what God has already done through the Lord Jesus. And it says, as long as you trust what God has already done for you through the Lord Jesus, it, don't, it doesn't matter what fiery darts are thrown at you because they will be quenched by faith that believes the truth, that believes the covenant, that is standing firmly in the gospel of peace. And uh, then it goes on to say, and then take up the helmet of salvation, because the helmet of salvation, this represents the mind. You got to renew your mind. And the sword of the spirit, which seems pretty much like a, a, a more, not an offensive weapon, more than a defensive weapon, uh, but it's really a little bit of both. And this sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's not going out and trying to kill the devil. The devil's already defeated. He is already a defeated foe. So all of that to say, Every aspect of being strong in the Lord is predicated upon uh, us actually uh, developing ourselves in the things of God. Now, let me mention this, by the way. I only have a few minutes to say this. You know, in these video teachings, and man, I'm telling you, I'm packing this on because this, this journey from Egypt to Canaan, this is the journey that every single believer is called to make but very few have been told this. And, and so the sad thing is, because we're not making the journey that God has called us to make, to be disciples, to have heaven on earth, to live such a quality of life that we can help people, minister to people, and actually draw people to kingdom living, you know, but because we're not experiencing that, then the truth is most believers are wandering around like the children of Israel did in the wilderness with no particular purpose because they're not choosing to follow where God is leading and they don't understand why nothing is working. They don't understand why life is falling apart. And it's only when we accept God's call, general call to all believers that we actually then become equipped. We get made whole when we get equipped to actually then fulfill our specific calling. So many people are just wandering around aimlessly because they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, here, here's the thing. Start with this. Make the journey from Egypt. Uh, uh, 
you know, the Passover, all, all of the feasts and what they, ha- what they mean in the New Covenant, uh, Mount Sinai, you know, conquering the giants. Make this journey and start winning every battle by the power of God, by trusting Him and winning these battles. And I'm telling you, when that happens, then your internal faith, your heart becomes, becomes such that you can trust God to win every battle of life that you're going to face. But then you also have the power of God working through you so that you can serve and benefit other people. Now, uh, in the book of Romans, we have this thing. And man, I, I, I would just love to, to spend weeks on this one passage of Scripture here, but we're not going to have to. But the book of Romans, 8th chapter, talks about the fact that all things work together to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, so, so what is God's purpose? Well, God tells you right here what his purpose is. He says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God made a decision in advance, and he said, I want you to be just like my son. This, this is everybody's purpose. Now, let me just finish what I was going to say. I'm getting off track here. But just let me remind you, I have an eight-message um, audio series that is, it is not a duplication of what I'm teaching here in this video series. And we always make an, uh, an audio version of our, you know, all these video series are free. We've got a couple of hundred free video series at drjimrichard.com or impactministries.com. And, uh, but for people who say, you know what, I'm, I'm going deeper. I'm, I am a disciple. I'm going to develop myself in ways that go beyond what we're getting here. Well, you know what? That's why we develop these audio series. And then we take the resources from that and we use those resources to take the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth the way Jesus said we should do it so that we can be ready for him to return. So let's go back over here. Now, one of the things that we realize is in the book of Hebrews, the, the, the uh, sixth chapter, it identifies six foundations of the faith. And basically, Paul, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, tells us that until we nail down and are established and standing firmly on these six foundations of faith, we're not even ready to deal with righteousness. We're not ready to move into the more spiritual things. So, you know, back in the, in the early 70s, man, everybody was running around wanting to work miracles, wanting to cast out devils, wanting to, you know, do all super spiritual things. They wanted to be super men and women of the faith, but really didn't even understand the basics of the gospel. And that's why almost so much of that stuff turned into bad doctrine, destructive, destructive doctrine, people getting into sin and destroying themselves because they never got down and dealt with the very foundation. So. All of the feasts or sacrifices, whatever terminology you would want to use there, uh, are actually mirrored images or types of the six foundations of the faith. And so God gave these sacrifices or these feasts or these celebrations or these ways to connect with him from our heart, not not through the ceremony themselves, but to go to those ceremonies based on what God promised, based on the fact that you could trust that he was always going to fulfill his promise relating to any of those sacrifices or to any of those feasts. And, uh, and so through these, you develop your heart. You develop your faith. You win one victory after another. And you don't win that victory out fighting giants. You don't win that victory out fighting 
you know, godlessness. You win that victory dealing with your own issues and developing your heart, just like there in the uh, when I talk about the armor of God, this is all about what you do internally. It, these are the things that we do to develop ourselves. And so, so all of those feasts, I'm going to use that terminology, all of those feasts were ways to make ourselves strong in our heart by connecting to God in our heart, through our heart. And, and now, in the new covenant, that's called the foundations of faith. You know, repentance from dead works. What does that mean? Uh, uh, faith toward God. What does that mean? And then baptisms. Well, it's really interesting. It's not baptism. It's baptisms. There are a bunch of different baptisms. And, and the most significant baptism that a new believer should be taught is they need to be taught about uh, us being baptized into Christ and then Christ being baptized into us. That's not the same baptism. Two, two, two different things. And so Paul is saying here that, you know, when we are yielding to this call about the purpose of God, which is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, it says that we, then everything starts working together for our good. God is not sending trouble to your life, but even when trouble comes and you win that battle, it works to your good because it builds your faith. It establishes your heart. It gives you confidence in God. And so this is how you come to a place to where you always win, where you, you're always the head, you're never the tail, you're always above, you're never beneath. You are strong in the Lord and the power of His might, even though you may be personally weak and fearful and trembling and all that kind of stuff, but you're still yielding to God and living for His purpose. So God predestined, this was so important, that God predestined that all of us be conformed to the image of His Son. Now remember, we were created in the likeness and the image of God, and we were given authority over planet Earth. Whether we, were, whether we became wicked or whether we became godly, we have authority because we were created in the likeness and the image of God. And we as human beings have authority on planet Earth. The devil doesn't have authority over planet Earth. Nobody has authority over planet Earth. No demon. And, and really, God can only do in planet Earth that which we allow him to do through us, which most people do not believe, and they fight against that. So, so God's goal was that we would fulfill our likeness and image of God by our connection with Jesus, by what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection, and by the fact that then we become one with him. Now, listen to this. It says, whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed. Well, that word conformed means to be jointly transformed. So when Jesus was raised from the death of sin, now he became our sin, he died, sin held him in the grave, but he believed God and by his faith, he was raised up in the newness of life. Resurrection life brought him up. Well, if we accept the fact that we were in him, we are in him, then we are jointly transformed, just like he came out of the grave, conquering sin and being raised up in righteousness, being an heir to the kingdom of God, being heir to all things that were God, receiving all the promises of God. We are jointly transformed into that likeness. Well, the idea is, as we put on our new identity in Christ, it becomes natural for us to be like Jesus was to minister like Jesus ministered, to touch lives the way Jesus touched lives. Listen, if you want to discover more about this, you be sure and visit me as I'm finishing this series. 
And by the way, anybody who, who purchases the audio series of this will get a free download of my book, Heaven on Earth. And again, it's not, all of these are not just duplications of videos and audios in the book. I'm telling you, this, this is going to be one of the most important transformational programs you have ever, 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 ever uh, picked up in your entire life. But I want you to know this, my, my desire for you as a minister is to equip you by mending you, by getting you whole, and therefore you become like Jesus, but then you also start ministering like Jesus. So all right, share this with everybody you know. We want to help people all over the world, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.